you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Joe Robon. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. I am super excited to talk to you today because you are the master of introverts. Certainly, I'm a big advocate of introverts, and the lessons I've learned along the way are things that I needed to pay attention to, and if only I'd known about them earlier. So, yeah, I'm a big advocate for introverts. I, I am very lucky because I, I guess, pushed myself at a very early age already when I was sort of 18-ish, 19, where I started pushing myself a lot, um, which, which, which changed my trajectory a lot. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely an introvert by nature, um, and I would say... A lot of a lot of my audience know I, I talk a lot about behaviors and so on and, and there is yeah. obviously various pieces and various various different kinds of introverts mm-hmm. but I think I think fundamentally uh, with any kind of personality I mean it doesn't matter if you're introvert or extrovert there's always things that you need to learn there's always strength and weaknesses with everything absolutely so, yeah yeah. But that's cool. That's cool. Yo, just before we get into this too much, would you mind giving the audience a little bit uh, of information about who you are and how you ended up where you are today? Of course, yeah. So I'm based in the UK. I've been a management trainer. Well, I was a trainer before we talk, called it personal development or learning and development, um, coach, facilitator. And I've been doing that since 1987 which is probably before some of your listeners were even born. And the reason I'm happy to tell people that is because I absolutely love what I do. I, I, I couldn't keep doing it because anyone who's in that world of learning and development knows it takes quite a lot in order to give of yourself and keep giving. So I've been doing that since 1987. Originally, while I was still in British Telecom, but then I left them in 94. I've been running my own business ever since. And I kind of half jokingly refer to myself as unemployable now. And maybe I ought to stop saying that because at some point I might want a job, but I can't imagine it. I really can't imagine it. And over the last three and a half, four years, I've really focused in on this niche of um, introverts and shifting the extroversion bias because I finally got mad enough, Mads. I, you know, I was working with international clients all around the world and wherever I went, I kept seeing introverts, really good people who were delivering great quality work, being overlooked, not being included in meetings, being talked over, and who frankly were in that whole world of overwhelm and worse. So I got mad enough to finally do something about it. And that's when Flourishing Introverts was born. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, I'm. I, I focus a lot, and and one of my key focus strengths when I key focuses when I work with people is is making sure you get the right people in the right roles, right? So, uh, introverts like extroverts, there's certain things they're typically very good at, and there's certain things they're not so good at, right? So, again, the key thing is that for me that there's certain roles that introverts or certain types of introverts are very very good at. And there's definitely certain things they're not so good at. So, and and even within that, you know, there's 
and, and Matthew Pollard is a great person for dispelling a myth around this. So he's in his book, Introvert Edge, and through his experience, he writes a lot about how introverts make fantastic salespeople. And yet a lot of the myths we have about introverts is that they can't do sales. But actually, the reason they make fantastic salespeople is because they they ask great questions and listen. They listen really well. So, you know, it's really about sometimes dispelling some of our preconceptions about, you know, what's a good job for an introvert? What's a good job for an extrovert? And actually really starting to unpick it more than that. Yeah, I I, I sort of agree and disagree to some extent on that one. So that there's definitely some sales job that introverts are great at, and particularly in the technical sphere of things, when things get very, very detail-oriented and when they get like a lot of this IT solutions and so on, where the person on the other side is an introvert, all right? So if you're selling to an introvert and it's very technical stuff, sometimes it can be a huge advantage to be an introvert yourself. Now, there's definitely certain situations where I've worked with a lot of salespeople where, where introverts have really struggled, right? So if you're looking at, for example, a car lot with, you know, random people walking in and, and you have super introverts that have to like walk up to these customers and so on. I've definitely seen introverts struggle significantly in those kind of roles. But again, it's all about figuring out like where, where you are comfortable and where you can actually use your key strength, right? Absolutely. And so it's rarely as cut and dried as introverts are good at this, extroverts are good at that. It it just doesn't work like that, as you know. Excellent. Excellent. So generally, I mean, you've been in the game for for quite a while. So I'm I'm an 84 kid. So I, I, I started my sort of management learnings in the early 2000s. So um, you, you're, you're a little bit ahead of me, I would say, yeah. but uh, that's also the great thing. And I, I think, um, I mean, training managers is, is, is my passion as well. I, I love working with people. I find it particularly people inside companies because like I work with many small companies and typically owners are not particularly great managers, yeah. right? Because they often <clears throat> don't have the experience, but the worst thing are the, the, the biggest miss I see in most companies is that when they start promoting other people who they haven't managed well into managers who then also become not very good managers, that is often the biggest gap. And that is the gap that I spend the most time on. So I love working both with business owners, but I really, really like working with managers within these smaller businesses because they're so used to not getting support, right? And they're so used to not like they're promoted into a role and they have no idea what they're doing, right? Yeah, there's that old saying, isn't it, about most people get promoted to their first level of incompetence. And I think that's certainly true of a lot of people. And and the mistake that I see people making in all, you know, the organizations I work in is that they recruit in their own likeness. So, you know, that they think that's what it takes to be good because I think I'm good. And they don't think about actually what would be a really good balance to that? What would, what would really kind of help to enrich the team by, by having counter views and counter personality types? Yeah, I, I think like particularly in management roles, when, when I recruit, I really like looking at what does that role require right now? Because I think one of the key things that I believe fundamentally about management is that, you know, you can have a very good management style, but I think different teams need different styles at different times. And, and it can be very healthy 
to actually have a good rotation between different types of people. Because if you always have one manager that's one way, again, you end up with a whole team that is typically the same kind of people. Yeah. And, and teams need different things. Sometimes you need someone that's super assertive and just goes in and pushes and, you know, make things happen and put pressure on people. And sometimes you need someone who's much more caring and so on, because if you put people under pressure consistently years and years in a row, then yeah. Exactly. And, you know, when I'm working with, and I still work with a lot of corporates around the world, you know, my, my big thing is how do I enable um, managers, regardless of who they are to flex so that they can actually and the phrase I often use is move elegantly between management and leadership styles so that they're what's needed in that moment, not to, this is who I am, this is how I am, take it or leave it, that, that they have that flexibility. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I think like the way I look at it is always like I, I feel it's fundamental to know and understand yourself really so you can utilize the most of your strength, right? Agreed. Because exactly like you said, most introverts, not most introverts, many introverts are great listeners, <laughs> right? Um, and because many introverts are great listeners, you know, they're, they're great at listening to the team. They care a lot about the team and so on, which, uh, which is great. Um, and now that's a certain strength, but it also comes with limitation, right? Because when they're great at listening and all this stuff, they are also typically the ones that sometimes struggle. Like if someone is not performing, right? Like, how do I really push this person? How do I, you know, how do I let them go? And so on. That's often what they struggle with a lot, right? So every, every, every strength have a count of weakness, whatever personality you have, right? Yeah. So I, I, I really believe that it's about getting to know yourself so that you can utilize your strength as much as possible. And also, I love compensating by hiring people around me that are different than me. So typically, by, by nature, I'm, I'm similar personality to yourself, right? So I'm quite introverted and, and so on. But I found it so good to have some really, really strong implementers that are very good at, you know, pushing deadlines and just making sure stuff happens, because that is not one of my key strengths, right? Yeah. I love thinking. I love learning. I, I, I'm good at making good decisions, uh, often slightly slower than most people, but I'm good at making them, right? But but for me, having people around that are, you know, more to the point and it's like, okay, you know, what's the, what's the next goal? Let me go at it, right? That works extremely well. Yeah. Now they communicate very differently. So Absolutely. It's, I'm not always super comfortable with the way they communicate, but I learned that you know, I have to learn to be comfortable with that. I have to learn to communicate with them effectively. And one of the big things that we pick up around the difference between introverts and extroverts in the way they communicate is this whole, you know, the way we process. So introverts tend to have that think, say, think communication process. So ask us a question and we we really kind of completely check in cognitively, check in off, often physically as well in terms of what we're feeling, how we're feeling about it. So we have this think, say, think communication process. And if the conversation moves on fast, we may not get to the say part of our process. Whereas extroverts tend to have that say, think, say. So it's a stream of consciousness. They'll give you an answer. 
and in the case of a friend of mine, surprise himself along the way in terms of he didn't even know that's what he was going to say or what he was thinking. And then sometimes course correct as they go when they've done a bit of thinking. But the, the big difference for me is that extroverts tend to be not attached to what they're saying because it is that immediate stream of consciousness. Yeah. Whereas introverts, because they've thought things through, they are more attached to it. So it's harder for them to let go or to be moved to a different way of thinking. And the more a team understands that and then appreciates that, values it, rather than gets wound up by it, the better the team is going to be. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I think I think that again, there's a lot of nuances because you you have introverts that are that are quite reserved, but you also have some introverts that are more assertive and don't mind speaking up. But I, I say it in a similar way, right? The, the way I look at it is generally you have reserved people that think before they speak, and you have assertive people that speak before they think, right? Uh, and that that's typically how I think about it. And, and again, none of it is right or wrong, but it's just different ways of communicating, right? And, and that's in, yeah. yeah, it's I difficult think... for people to understand each other sometimes because sometimes someone who's reserved would be like, why did he say that? And exactly as you say, it just comes out, right? Yeah, and I, I guess we hold a different point of view around ass assertiveness, because for me, assertiveness is something that is considered for me. So when I assert myself, it's from a considered point of view rather than shooting from the hip. Mm -hmm. So so I assert, but in a, a slightly slower way. But when I do, it's pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the way, the, the way I generally look at it is that... Um, you, you have a search of people, like you have very people that are naturally just very direct, but are introverts. So basically they don't get energy from being around people. They like just focusing on their work. And some famous people like Elon Musk for me is a great example. Like yeah. he's not afraid to speak his mind, but he's not someone that tries being around people, right? He, he yeah. so, so as an example, he's, he's an introvert, but he's a sort of, um, and he doesn't have a problem speaking his mind and standing his ground and so on. So for, for me, when I think of sort of classical introverts, I typically think of people who are both reserved and introverts, right? Yeah, and I, I think that's where some of the myths and misconceptions come in because, you you know, you said it there, it's about where we get our energy from and our behaviour sits on top of that. So my ability to assert myself, my ability to command an audience you know I've, I've emceed events of over a thousand people and it doesn't phase me at all I just need to pre-charge and recharge around that event and and some people unfortunately kind of conflate introversion with social anxiety with shyness with depression with those sorts of things and they're, they're completely unrelated I know extroverts who have social anxiety can you imagine how challenging that is needing to be in social interaction with people and at the same time finding that really kind of quite a scary threatening thing so you know separating those things out is a really important thing to do I think yeah and this was a lot of the development I personally went through in my early days right when I first started in the corporate world I, I moved to a foreign country and when I was only 18 and it was it was a big scary world but I, I wanted to get into management a lot and it was it was the thing that I, I got super super attached to right and uh, 
I learned that management is about networking. It's about getting to know people. And I was like, well, okay, you know, every morning when I take the bus, I have to sit down next to another human being and just say hi. And I literally did that for one month. I literally just said hi. And after like a month, I'm like, okay, now I say, sit down and say, hi, how are you? And the whole, like, that was just, that was basically how I learned talking to people very slowly. The, the whole thing I realized is that with my personality, it's never something I would be comfortable with, but it is something I can learn to be less uncomfortable with. Right. Right. And the same thing with a certain, like, I don't enjoy firing people. Uh, I think no one enjoys that particular thing, but, but firing people is definitely harder for, for someone who's an introvert. Right. But again, I can, the more I I understand it, the more I understand the whole mindset around it, the less uncomfortable I can learn to become around it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when I'm working with my clients, one of the things Mm. we look at is comfort zone because there's this, for me, another big myth is that you have to get out of your comfort zone. But actually, I, I think that's another that's another kind of false um, uh, kind of bit of advice that is given by extroverts to introverts quite often. And one of the things that I found works much better is that what we do is that we get really clear about what is my comfort zone? What am I really comfortable with? What's at the outer edge? What's just beyond that outer edge? And what's way out there as kind of like, ooh, I'm not sure I'm really ready for that. And what I found is that continually working at that outer edge expands the comfort zone, a bit like you were saying in terms of for a month, I'm going to say hi, then I'm going to say hi, how are you? And that's expanding that comfort zone bit by bit by bit. And that's much more sustainable. And for me, I'd much rather work with somebody like that than force someone out there where they then retreat back into the depths of their comfort zone, never to step foot out of it again. Yeah, I, I, I agree to a little extent. So, so I think one of the things I've found about myself is that I am a comfort human being. I love comfort. Right. But I'm also very keen on getting the most out of myself that I can in life. Yeah. What I've found is that if I'm in the same place, I, I love routines, I love comfort, and I can kind of fall asleep in life. If I'm in an nice. environment for a long time and I'm, you know, doing the same job for a long time and stuff like that, you know, I've become extremely comfortable and I can feel like I, I always do this thing where I look back like one year, look back three years and kind of look at how have I developed. And I can feel that if I don't push myself mm-hmm. th- and, and do new things, I, I can become very complacent. All right. Yeah. So, so I, I've, I've definitely felt that one of the things that I'm very aware of for me as a person is that sometimes I need to do stuff. And now I like moving to a different country and living, but different people have different things, but yeah, I, I definitely find like, like I could be totally comfortable. And this was one of the things I had early on in my career. Like I was initially in sort of like business analytics and numbers and stuff. And I could have done that for the rest of my life, been extremely comfortable and sit in a corner and just stare at a computer screen. But it's not what I wanted with my life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And and it, I was smiling when you were talking about that comforts and routines, because I I value curiosity and, and um, uh, kind of change and difference. So 
routines really don't work for me in the old kind of Anthony Robbins in terms of either kind of stability or variety. I'm a variety person. I'm endlessly curious. So I'm always probing at the outer edge of that comfort zone and saying, what's just out there? What's just out there? What could I do next? So a bit like you, I, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. I'm here for my own self-development and the self-development of other or the development of other people. And, and I can't stop. People have said to me, oh, you're not doing another course, are you, Joe? Yes, I am. And the day I stop learning and growing and developing is probably the day I die because I can't imagine, as you say, kind of almost sleepwalking through life. I did it for my early years and now it's not for me. I know it's not for me. Yeah, so I would say one thing, like I'm the same. I love learning. The one thing I've realized the last couple of years is that I know the things I need to know, if that makes sense. And my challenge with my personality is actually using the information and taking action. Right. So I've, I've spent a couple of years learning less, not because it's what I enjoy doing the most, but it's because what brings me further. Uh, because I think a lot of introverts, that we love putting knowledge in our head and we can keep a lot of stuff in our heads. But I think there's a very sensible balance as well between mm -hmm. actually knowing a lot of stuff and actually using some of the knowledge we learn. You're right. And it's that application. And that's where I refer to myself as a recovering perfectionist now, because what used to, well, I used to get in my own way and that's what would stop me putting things into practice. So you're right. I loved filling my head with stuff, but when it came time to apply it, I'd be very cautious and thinking, oh, well, actually, I haven't quite got that right yet. I haven't quite planned it right yet. And so these days, my mantra around that is done is better than perfect. I can always refine it as I go. But the important thing for me is to take action as I go for the same reasons you've talked about is because actually knowledge without action isn't really knowledge at all. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's a lot of introverts. In, is in that situation. I, I work with a lot of business people, particularly in the tech sector, that are very introverted, like developers and things like that, that, you know, they start a business, but everything goes extremely slow because, again, that's the tempo they're very comfortable with. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time, exactly as you say, it's not just about, it's not just about not doing things perfect, but it's also the way people like that learn, right? So... Some people jump out and do stuff and then they figure out how it works. Whereas a lot of these perfectionist introverts, the way they learn is they, they learn slow, they learn things slow, but they, they have to understand how everything works. And then when they get it, they just get it. And everything is perfect from that onwards, right? So it's, it's just understanding yourself in terms of that and how you can learn to push yourself yeah. um, in, in that regard. It's, it's very important, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So one one of the things I always work a lot with the with introverts about is around making decisions because making decisions is often challenging and it often takes quite a while for introverts to learn to make decisions at a at a faster pace because they like like thinking through and like oh I need a little bit more data I need a little bit more and and constantly like excuses for not to make a choice right. And one of the things that, that I found working extremely well for many of my clients is just learning to make decisions in their everyday life, all right? So things like, you know, what are you having for dinner? So if I ask you, what do you want to eat today? And your answer is probably, oh, you know, I don't mind too much. And often someone else 
make that choice for you, right? But I've learned that many of the clients I've worked with that are in that situation, actually learning to make decisions on a day-to-day basis, even smaller things that are not necessarily business relevant, but just learning to make decisions really grow confidence. Because when they say, you know, I'm going to do this thing and then do it, that shows them, oh, I, I don't have to be afraid of making decisions, right? And that that translates really well into the world of business as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about, you're right, that, you know, introverts tend to have that slower pace because we like to think things through. But it's also about knowing, you know, what's the appropriate time frame for this particular decision. And if I have time, then by all means, take longer. But if it needs making today, then let's make it today. So, yeah. And for me, what that translates to is is individuals taking real responsibility for their actions as well. Yeah. And a lot of times it's learning prioritization, right? I mean, one of the the most, I think, most important skills for managers is is learning and understanding prioritization. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we can only ever use the knowledge we have. So, you know, at whatever level you're at in an organization, you can only use what you know. But but generally, learning to prioritize is is so, so critical for business success. And, And many entrepreneurs, I see so many people who have checklist of 500 items, and they're just kind of going through them. But they don't sit down and think like, you know, what are the, what are the one or two things in this list that, you know, yeah. really going to make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. So, excellent. So we talked a little bit about recruitment already, but, but tell me a little bit about more about how you sort of go through this recruitment and selection and, and sort of how, how business owners in general should go through it to make sure they get some of the right people and the right jobs. You've mentioned a couple of things already about strengths, and I come from that camp that, you know, a strength is not just something you're good at, it's something you're good at and you love doing. Because if we use the definition of a strength as being something that I can consistently do to a high standard, that has to be something I have, I get some pleasure out, some kind of, you know, reward or payback for. So you're right, it is about understanding what strengths are required for a particular role. But then when we're in that recruitment conversation, It's about being really mindful of the fact that if I ask a question, an introvert is likely to take longer or need a bit longer in order to answer the question. So I've seen, sadly, too many cases where an interviewer asks, you know, the interviewee a question and and they generally kind of then start to think it through. And the interviewer then starts to make notes. And it's like, what are you making notes about? The fact that somebody took time to answer and what's so wrong with that? So in, in the whole recruitment process, it's about understanding the neurodiversity that people bring to a particular conversation, a particular interaction, and making sure that your bias isn't showing that we're not immediately starting to say, I want someone who reacts fast. I want someone who responds fast. Because as you rightly said, there are weaknesses that come with that as well as strengths because we can end up making completely the wrong decisions that cost an awful lot of money if we don't think things through. And, uh, you know, I've been part of assessment centres where people are judged on the quantity of their contributions and not the quality of their contributions. And again, that's playing to the strengths of the extrovert, the people who speak up fast. And, you know, one of my colleagues who designs assessment centers now builds in deliberately 
a reflective exercise after, say, the group conversation, where people then start to uh, create a report in terms of what they noticed during that um, conversation. And that's where the introverts really rise to the top. So it's about having equity within that recruitment process, because we're very familiar now with diversity, equity and inclusion agenda. But how focused are we really on making sure that we have unbiased, inclusive processes that that understand that that this particular aspect of neurodiversity? So it's about the recruiters, the the managers, be it a small business where it's just a small team uh, or a, a larger business, really being aware of how they are um, engaging with people during that whole process. Yeah. yeah, that makes total sense. And I think it's a it's a good way to it's a good way to look at it. Like again, I always try and look at it like every time I have a role in mind, I always try and think of who would be the ideal person in this role at this time right um, and I often fit it a lot more personality than than anything else um, but that's again that's probably my pre-selection of how I how I think about things and that that definitely have weaknesses as well right well and and because I, I think there's one piece missing from that unless you you're including it in that which is what is this team missing so, you know, if, if the team is starting to look too samey, then actually what we want to do is we want to introduce some difference into that team as well. So what would I be prepared to sacrifice? Would I be prepared to sacrifice a bit of the strengths in order to bring a richness to the team? Or am I prepared to sacrifice the richness so that we're more samey, but I get the right strengths? And that's, a, I think, a really big um, decision for employers and recruiters to make. Definitely. And I, so I actually work with an accountancy company that was a little bit in this challenge because typically people who are great accountants have very similar personality. Yes. Some of my big clients are accountants as well. So I get that. Yeah. So, so, and, and uh, the, the, the problem is back to what you said earlier. The problem is if you're an accountant, if you don't like looking at spreadsheets and numbers, like, you, you might help the team diversify the, the type of people, but you're really going to be very good at the role, right? And, and my experience and, and basically what I've focused on a lot is if people don't perform, if people can't perform in a job, they're not going to be happy, Absolutely. right? And the key thing for me when I have a team is that people are happy both inside work and outside work. And what, what all the research I've been able to find on people and happiness is that if people are actually performing well at work, they're significantly more likely to be happy outside work. However, if people are doing a bad job at work and they know they're doing a bad job, that typically always influences back in their private life. Yeah. Right? So I'm very, very keen on never putting people into a job that I don't believe they can do. And and things like accountants, I would, I, I mean, you have certain variety of people within that scope, but but there's definitely people personality type that just does not fit into an accountancy role. And I would never put them there for diversity alone, just because I know they wouldn't perform well in the role, right? 
Yeah, and it comes back to, you know, if we're talking about pure compliance roles, then that's going to require a certain type of personality. If we're looking at the more advisory roles, then that's going to require something else. And with so much moving towards advisory now, it's one of the challenges that accountants are having because now what they need to start doing is start using a different skill set in order to fulfill that. So it's, it's moving in a very interesting direction. And, and I think that, I mean, one of the reasons I was successful, I, I worked in sort of the tech world with Xerox and IBM and those kind of companies and very techy stuff. And one of the reasons why I was very successful was I could talk with all these developers and all these data people, but I also understood how to communicate to managers, right? So I, I when I started getting promoted, like I was one of few people that could actually talk the language of both these people uh, and both these personality types and so on. And it, it like, obviously it, it made me understand things, but it was sometimes still difficult for me to translate between them uh, because some things were super logical, but it was hard to translate that to management speak of how to make this work kind of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but I think that's, I mean, if you're a developer, if you're an accountant, I, I highly, highly recommend improving communication, right? Learning to communicate more, even though it's not necessarily what you love doing the most. It's one of those things that in your life can make the biggest difference, right? And I, I started, like, after I started learning to say hello to people and stuff, eventually I started doing public speaking and so on. Um, and just like yourself, I mean, put me up in front of a couple of thousand people and absolutely not a problem. Um but that's because I've learned it, right? So just with comfort zone, like I started out talking 30 seconds in front of 20 people. And, yeah. you know, now I get me up and talk for an hour, not a problem, right? But but it's been step by step by step. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. Excellent. Well, that is fantastic. I think that was a super, super interesting conversation. It's, uh, it's rare I've gotten to talk about introverts this much. So that's and, good. And- Part of my purpose in life is to make sure we're talking about it more so that we are dispelling some of those myths. And, and, you know, if I can, if I can help shift the bias in organizations and then go back and shift the bias in education, I will have really achieved something that will have left a legacy that is important to me. Definitely. That sounds good, Joe. If people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do so? The very best way is to check out my website, which is flourishingintroverts.com, because there you'll find my TEDx talk. You'll find my questionnaire that helps people understand what type of introvert they are. You'll find my podcast, occasional musings, courses. Everything is under that one roof. So flourishingintroverts.com is the place to go. Fantastic. Thank you very much. It was really awesome having you on board today and great talking to you. Thank you, Mads. It was a pleasure to be here. And to the audience, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.